Welcome to the Weather of the Mind podcast. I'm your host, Doug Krish. Good day to you. I hope this finds you doing quite well, or at least feeling semi-optimistic in your place in the world today. I'm feeling good. I feel like it's things are moving along and falling back into my, my rhythms, my rituals after having a, a little week or two of family vacation time. So I want to start with a few images. Oh, before we get to that, Weather of the Mind podcast, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, pretty much anywhere else where you find your podcasts. If you want to drop me a line or feedback or check out archives, we have 80, this is the 88th episode. That's weatherofthemind.org. So I want to start with a few images as I like to. And these images, well, it's actually more exciting than just a few images. It's kind of a new ritual. So my brother, I consider him a, a corona Corona escapee from the New York City, Long Island region. He has come up to Ithaca, a town he has not lived in in, I don't think, 13 or 14 or 15 years. He moved into a room that had opened up in the same building I live in. So I got my brother here, and we've created a new ritual kind of spontaneously where we take our bikes and we bike the pretty across the flats over to the lake. Ithaca sits at the southern end of Lake Cayuga and Lake Cayuga is one of the Finger Lakes in upstate New York and they call them Finger Lakes because they are long and narrow. Cayuga Lake is 45 miles long north to south and generally a mile or two across the lake. So we take the bikes over about a two-mile ride through the neighborhoods. It takes about 15 minutes, and then you're at the lake. You're at this beautiful, beautiful park. Lots of grass, lots of old oak trees lined with willow trees right along the water, but you step back from the water, you have a lot of different kinds of oak trees and maple trees, and we throw the frisbee, we throw the tennis ball. Sometimes we have barbecues. This past week, though, no barbecues, not that ambitious, but maybe we'll bring a beer down and have a toss and, um, yeah, and just enjoy the scene. Just enjoy people biking by on the little, they have a little sort of a boardwalk path. I mean, it's it's cement, but people cruise by on their bikes, their roller skates. So you see them, you just see the wind blowing. We've seen so much interesting wildlife there um, and so many different events. So we started this ritual just last week and we've gone every evening. Uh, we've seen the sunset six of those nights and yesterday went by a little bit earlier. So we've, got, we've been going to this park every day and when you do a ritual every day or once a week, you know, however you normalize a ritual, I always feel like there's amazing emergent properties. Stewart Park, this park down in the lake, is a park I've known for many decades of life in Ithaca. But to use it so consistently develops a different relationship. There's two images that I think were really fascinating, things I've observed down there. Two nights ago... We saw this, we went down there and it's quite sunny, but it was humid, but then it was very rapidly getting dark. You look up the lake, you're looking north, and the storms usually come from the west. So we got to see this storm maybe five miles north of the city, 
drift across, come up to the edge of the lake, and then cross the lake. So sometimes you see, you could watch the storms in the big sky area near the lake. But then another storm came right in and slammed us. Now luckily there was some, there was some shelter we were able to take under a, under a pavilion and wait out the storm. But what was amazing to me is that people who were at the park in the middle of this lightning storm kept on walking out on the dock. There is a, a metal dock that goes out into the lake, you know, maybe 30 or 40 meters. And people, one after the other, because I saw the first one and said, man, I'm going to watch somebody get struck by lightning right now. What is wrong with people? But then once that person came back, the next people went out there and, I don't know, take a picture, enjoy the storm. And it just reminds me, it's this theme of 2020. People don't respect nature and they don't respect science. And there is an arrogance to humans. They just, we are still part of nature. We are still humbled by nature. Yet, I don't know how people don't seem to grasp that innately or or intuitively, as it is for certainly me, if there's lightning out, while it's beautiful and I love it, I will seek shelter and, and get under, you know, get, get away from an exposed area. I certainly will not stand on a lake on a metal duck. So again, this themes of people not thinking, people not understanding science. Okay, this next image comes the next night and that night the bats were we were there when it was getting quite dark out and the bats were really out we see a lot of bats around this town but we saw a lot of bat activity and also the stars were very bright so hmm a lot of bat activity and the stars were very bright so if you see that what does that mean to you anybody know it's like a little science trivia question new moon New moon is the darkest, the darkest of nights, and that's where the bat activity is the highest. And also, therefore, the stars will appear the brightest because there's no moonlight. Full moon to new moon. When the full moon, when the moon is out and it's fully bright as far as night goes versus new moon when it's really dark, the range of brightness to darkness is tremendous. I think I've read it was 400 times brighter on full moon than new moon. So a lot of animals and insects ha and plants have evolved to behave a certain way. If they're night animals and night plants, they behave a certain way during full moon and new moon because that's a really different landscape. I just find it very fascinating to just put yourself in a ritual where you see the same place day in, day out and see what emerges. Seeing the amazing storm, seeing human behavior, seeing these bats, just, just observing firsthand that the bat activity is really high. Oh, the, the stars are really bright. Oh, that's new moon. I think this type of thinking, just always connecting with our place in nature and taking time to see the ebbs and flows of nature is part of building a relationship with nature. We are part of nature. Nature flows through our bodies every day, through plants, through meat, through water, through oxygen. The more we see ourselves as part of nature, but also as potential stewards of nature because we are humans, we have this great power of influence more than perhaps the bat or the fruit flies or the ants, 
that was the extended intro. But I think those images are really important. And you know how I love ritual, 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 ritual. Building good rituals, it's like each ritual is a brick or a few bricks or a wall to like, a, or a found, yeah, maybe a foundation. Rituals as foundation. Rituals keeps coming up in this podcast and more and more the notion of foundation. Understanding, you know, what, what will keep us sound and secure throughout the chaos. That's the foundation. And if you like the boat metaphor rather than building, you know, that long, it's a long keel under the boat that keeps it stable in rough waters. Okay, okay, let's get back into it. Last week we were talking about a five-year plan five-year plan. I kind of jumped into that, but the five-year plan is really important to me right now for a number of reasons. One is I'm building up over these next few weeks because I want to present the five-year plan for the Weather of the Mind School, the Weather of the Mind podcast. And I am really, I'm being very fastidious and, and devoted to really spending a lot of time thinking about five years forward. Now, I also have been thinking about, should we have five-year plans as individuals? And increasingly, it seems that we should because it is a challenge running our lives. You know, there's a time in history when you were part of a tribe or a clan or a family. point is that throughout most of human history, there were not lots of choices. You were born into a life and you lived that life, but now... In modern society, we have an overabundance of choices. Again, that's great, but that's exactly why we need to be strategic. We need to have a five-year plan. There's not one path forward. There's too many. Too many. So like I said last week, we are talking about the word success. Today, I want to talk about the word values as it pertains to five years down the road. Because when we have too many choices, what really guides us are, huh, how do I define success? If I, if I want to be a successful person, and to me, success is X, Y, and Z, even though society might say success is A, B, and C, or something like that. How do I define success? That's very clarifying. When we think about the word success and what is a successful life, we have to think about how does, how does our family define that? How does our culture define that? But then how do we define it? And then we have to compromise a little bit because we do have families and we do live within a culture. So if you think about success and values, values. So today I'm talking a little more about values, but it's sort of two sides of the same coin. Values as a, another form of a foundation you know, that really underpins what we care to live for. What do we value? What do we devote ourselves to? What do we, what do we want to add life? What do we value? As usual, I brought in a few... Oh, wait, before I get to that, why a five-year plan? Because, I mean, why not a two-year plan? Why not a 10-year plan or a 20-year plan? And I would say there are some situations and some people and some vocational paths that the 10-year path makes more sense. You're a 17-year-old who wants to be a doctor. Well, guess what? You pretty much have a set 10-year path in front of you. In a way, that leaves a lot of stress and anxiety. Sometimes I used to envy those people that said, I want to be a lawyer. I want to be a doctor. I want to be a vet. I have never been one of those people. 
I've always been like, well, these things I value. I'm always a value-oriented, I take a value-oriented path through life and it leads me to certain projects and and there are other people who, for better or worse, say, I want to be a doctor. And then, boom, that's a 10-year plan. I was also thinking about some the person who is a doctor and maybe has a few young children. Where, where do they go with a 5- and 10-year plan? Is it as necessary when you're in a situation that's, that's kind of in motion? I would argue that it's probably less important than someone who has a wide-open path. But it's still essential and... Anybody who wants to keep growing, who wants to keep learning, who wants to keep developing, the five-year plan will be of value. Let me read a few quotes for you that will provide uh, some food for thought here. Okay. Just one from last week that it's worth repeating. I really like the Albert Einstein quote. Strive not to be a success, but, to, but rather to be of value. So again, that word value is coming up again. He's using it in a different context. We're talking about what do we value, but we also can think about how does society, our family, our community, our friends, how do they value us? So we're talking now about a five-year plan and, and, and pursuing values, but also bringing in strategy. A five-year plan's got to have increments. It's got to be somewhat measurable. It cannot be vague. Oh, I want to be... A nicer person five years from now. Well, what does that really mean? I want to be a fitter person. I want to be, you know, what do the increments look like? But before we get those increments, it's good to see a little bit down that road in five years. What does that look like? How do we define a successful version of ourselves in five years? So let's get to some quotes here, some new quotes for you. This is to one of my favorite uh, authors, Antoine de Saint-Exupéry. A little prince author who said, A goal without a plan is just a wish. A goal without a plan is just a wish. This reminds me of a podcast that I want to do in the future about hope. And hope can be a verb and hope can be a noun. And I want to kind of pull that apart, but it kind of relates to this. Dreaming of the future and thinking of the future is valuable, but if you don't put the plans under it, if you don't, there's no foundation. We need to develop those, those visions. We need to break them down. We need to get strategic. Let's make them happen. This one I thought was really great. And this is from B.F. Skinner, who wrote a book called Walden 2, which I need to read and I have not. The behaviorist, B.F. Skinner. He says, the majority of people don't want to plan. The majority of people don't want to plan. They want to be free of the responsibility of planning. What they ask for is merely some, some assurance that they will be decently provided for. The majority of people don't want to plan. They want to be free of the responsibility of planning. What they ask for is merely some assurance that they will be decently provided for. This is a fascinating quote that opens up many, many thoughts and ideas because when you're required to make a plan for the next five years, you're required to be a leader. A leader perhaps for yourself, but a leader nonetheless. And... These are some tough skills, and I don't know if a lot of people want to be leaders, but in a society focused around the individual, we force people to have to be leaders. There's a lot of richness in this quote, and some truth to it, and we have to think about how we manage that, because some people will take to it, boom, I want to make a five-year plan, I want to to lead this life of mine, I want to create a vision and follow through with it, but other people will be like, I just want to be part of the team, 
And then that's very, that makes sense to me. We're social beings. That, that drive to be part of the team makes sense. But we also have to encourage all members of the team to, to take some responsibility and, and figure out a game plan. Okay, this one is, is very fascinating. This is from Jared Diamond. And you know him for his famous book, Guns, Germs, and Steel. This is another book that would be a good one to read with the podcast. This book is called How Societies Choose to Fail or Succeed. Whoo, that is very fascinating. I think it's kind of a rebuttal to, this, to Guns, Germs, and Steel, which sort of looked at the circumstances that different societies found themselves in and how these how their situations just benefited or hurt their survival. But this one is puts a little more of the onus back on the societies. How societies choose to fail or succeed. This seems like a very important book. So Jared Diamond says, Two types of choices seem to have been crucial in tipping the outcomes of various societies' histories. So tipping the outcomes towards success or to failure, right? So two types of choices that these, that these societies made tip them to succeed or failure. Long-term planning and a willingness to reconsider long-term values. Wow. So long-term planning and willingness to reconsider long-term values. On reflection, this is still Jared Diamond, on reflection, we could recognize the crucial role of these same two choices for the outcomes of individual lives. Ho, ho, ho. That is nice. That is a nice... I like that. I like that a lot of the same things that are going to happen on the level of the society or the family. There's parallel things that happen in the life of the individual and parallel strategies that are parallel strategies that are beneficial. Here he's saying societies that made it or didn't make it, the two things that he sees most crucial were they were they were they long-term planners? And were they willing to reconsider long-term values? So if we can do that as individuals, how will that help us? One, we embrace long-term planning, five-year plans. That's long. I think that's long enough for the individual. And we take time to reconsider long-term values. Boom. And the podcast. That's a good point. We should write that down. Consider that for the week going forward. Whew. Oh, man. How do you follow that up? All right, I'm going to give you a few more points here. Quote by Earl Nightingale. I did not look up who Earl Nightingale is, but I found this quote. And this is another one you could just put on your put on your wall or your fridge and it's right there for you. He says, "All you need is the plan, the roadmap, and the courage to press on to your destination." And that's really the thing. If we can design a plan that we buy into, that we are emotionally invested in, that we we believe in, right? If we can if we can figure out how to make that plan, and, we, and you know it's it's viable. It's not the plan is not outlandishly overwhelming. The plan is not pathetically easy. It, it it's a medium level. It's a challenge. It will push us in a few different ways to grow. If we can build that plan, that roadmap, and then we just need one other ingredient. The courage to press on to your destination. Courage and a map. Give me a map and give me the courage to keep on going. And the resiliency to keep on going. And the patience and the persistence to keep on going. I'll be okay. And so will you. I think this five-year plan, I think there's some real teeth here. And this is not something we teach people in high school. 
This is not something we teach people in college. No one ever taught me to make a five-year plan, but now's the time. Better now than never. So I encourage you to start thinking about this five-year plan and start thinking of these categories. These are like the main six categories that I look at building a five-year plan right now. And you could let me know if I'm missing anything or if two should be combined into one. But I have social, your social, that's like basically relationships with other people. We're social beings, so you have your social category. You have your physical category, and that's what I talk about, your food, your water, your exercise, your sleep. Then you have your emotional category, which I, I kind of put spiritual under, under actually, under emotional at this point as I look at it. Spiritual is a way of functioning to support and to calm and to ground our emotions. Not to diminish the spiritual life, but I look at it as a fundamental part of the emotional life. Then mental, our mental logical sharpness. How are we reading? Are we doing puzzles? Are we pushing our mental to be sharp? Then you have money, resource, this category, financial slash resources slash professional slash career. And then finally, leisure category, leisure, fun, trips, etc. So right now I went through this social, physical, emotional, mental, financial and leisure and I gave myself a grade just messing around out of 10 seven nine eight nine seven eight you know where am I strong if I'm looking five years from now I don't have to focus that much on the physical and the mental and the leisure because I'm really good at those are dialed in I'm cooking good meals I'm exercising boom so when you make your five-year plan we also want to acknowledge what's already in place Again, again, that notion of foundations, what, what's already in place. You've already done a lot of good work. Even if you're like, oh man, I'm disappointed. My life's not where it needs to be. Yeah, there's a lot of room for improvement. But what is in place? What in your personality, in your social skills, in your physical strength, in your mental strength, in your financial resources, in your ability to, in your ability to appreciate leisure, what's already in place? So think of these categories as they are now and start to think about where they want to be in five years from now. And just one more time with that Earl Nightingale. I'll find out who Earl Nightingale is. All you need is the plan, the roadmap, and the courage to press on to your destination. Ho, ho, ho. Boom. Well, I hope you could tell by the tone of my voice, I'm really feeling back in the groove Feeling really happy to just be hanging out and dropping some knowledge with you over the audio waves. I'm really excited to share a five-year plan with you and uh, in, the, in a few weeks from now. And if you want to share ideas or your five-year plan, drop me a line, weatherofthemind at gmail.com. Drop me a line anytime. I love to hear from you and get your feedback. And I really hope you're well. Don't forget... Think about foundations, water, are you drinking your water, staying hydrated, getting that pulse up even a little bit high a few times a week, even running up a staircase, get that pulse going, it's good, get that oxygen in the blood, gonna do a lot of cooking shows this fall, oh and one more thing, in the next few weeks I'll be announcing the book for Fall Book Club and it's gonna be awesome, we're gonna read some essays, it's gonna be great. Have a great day. Keep positive, living and learning. Bye-bye.